gentlemen welcome to the element of surprise that was dickie lee performing the um all-time greatest hit of ever written about peanut butter peanut butter okay so we've got a lot to get to um this episode has got a lot of stuff and i've been working diligently diligently on it so without further ado i want to get into uh the housekeeping you know, you can find us at uh, eosmentallyirregular.podbean.com. That's our hosting site. Find all the episodes there, including this one, once it's posted. If you're hearing this, you've already done that. Uh, also, can find all the episodes posted on our Facebook page at uh, www.facebook.com backslash eosmentallyirregular. Uh, like the page, join the group, give us a review, so on and so forth. Be part of the EOS Army. Uh, we are currently recruiting for the uh, EOS Army, so, you know, definitely do that. I'd like to give a few shout-outs here to uh, some people who have, uh, you know, really, really, really taken to the show, and I'm proud to say thank you for that. I mean, there, there literally are no words for me to express how much thanks I have uh, towards this uh, this new, new group of fans for uh, embracing the show, embracing the element of surprise, embracing this podcast, 
and uh, you know, not only uh, listening and enjoying, but uh, you know, questioning me. When's the new episode going to be out? Did you record anything recently? And uh, so, yes, yes, I am recording. And uh, thank you all very, very much, uh, very, very much. You know, for let me be honest, for a guy that uh, is rarely, rarely ever not speaking or at a loss for words, um, you know, I'm at a loss for words. Yeah, there's no words. Thank you, guys. Um, okay, so without further ado, let's get right into it. You remember going to grandma's when you were a kid? Remember how cool it was? You'd go to your grandma's house. Everyone would be like, all right, get ready. We're going to grandma's. You're like, okay, I can't wait to go to grandma's. I can't wait to see grandma. I'm sure everyone loved going to grandma's house as a child. I mean, it was all the same for all of us to a degree. You know, I mean, the, the way her house contained the oddest arrangements of little knickknacks and smelled of stale bread or, or some type of, like, Food had been cooked there, but uh, not not within the past four days, but the smell of the food still permeated it. Um, and you remember how she'd, uh, you'd sit down, you'd get there, and she'd make sandwiches, and then she'd say racially insensitive things about the ethnically diverse neighbors. Uh, she'd be like, oh, we've got some of them. Like my grandmother, my great-grandmother, I should say, was 100% full-blooded Italian. And uh, she would just, you know, she had... Uh, people of very ethnically diverse groups living up and down the street for her and so she would just oh you can't go outside anymore there's a there's a this is a black up there there's a chinese down there you can't go anywhere anymore and you're very very racist and it was you know at the, as a, as a kid you're just like huh and you know cuz kids are fucking pure innocent you know we racism is not something that you uh are born with it's something that gets pounded into you by the media and by society and by people who are in fact racist but um you know do you remember how grandma would say racially insensitive things and remember how she'd take out her teeth and then leave them on the sink in the ba downstairs bathroom and when you were a kid you'd go to the bathroom and you'd see them sitting there and it would scare the shit out of you ah man the good times the good times oh remember when grandma would let you spend the night even if you didn't want to. And uh, so mom and dad could have some alone time. And uh, she'd make up the spare bedroom. You remember the spare bedroom. The one that had all of the... Uh, the one that your deceased granddad had filled with all his uh, hunting trophies that he had taxidermied. So basically as you lay there trying to sleep, 33 soulless animals stared at you with their faces affixed in terror and their cold glass eyes watching your every move, always just unblinking with unblinking finality. Oh yeah, those were the good old days. The days at Grandma's. The days of lost youth and whimsical dreams. Days long forgotten in the rotten cycle of adulthood. Days at Grandma's. Remember how Grandma would wake you up from your uh, near sleepless night at uh, 4.45 in the morning to watch her church sermons on public access TV? And how literally every imaginable thing that they talked about was deemed a sin worthy of an eternity of torture in the fiery depths. Like, seriously fucking everything. Yep, those were the days. Grandma's. Remember how Grandma would then tell you to play while she made breakfast? And the only toys she had at her house were a rectangular wooden block and two oddly colored stones? Yes sir, madam. Those were the great times indeed. The best times that you could have. More innocent times. Times at Grandma's. <sighs>
Man, now that we've gotten uh, all nostalgic for visits to Grandma's house, let's uh, let's attack something I've been wanting to talk about for a while, actually. Um, so, it's no stranger to anybody who knows me or this show that I have a morbid fascination with the life and times of Nicolas Cage. Amongst other people, uh, you know, Christopher Walken is a uh, go-to for pretty much everybody, but Jeff Goldblum, um, I liked to find out what was going on in the life of Jack Nicholson for a while, but now he's just old and decrepit and just an angry old curmudgeon, which uh, some could say he always was, but, uh, you know, he was just a young curmudgeon. Anyway, um, so Nicolas Cage is hunting for a, uh, a lost relic, a lost artifact um, from history, uh, which I'm about to get into. I'm going to tell you what it is, so just bear with me here. Uh, so surprising virtually nobody at all, professional weird person Nicolas Cage admitted recently in an interview with the New York Times that uh, he is searching for the Holy Grail. The Holy Grail, the cup of Christ, the chalice. Um, I guess nobody told him that Harrison Ford and uh, Sean Connery beat him to it. But, um, you know, there's, uh, you know, that's Nicolas Cage for you. He, he wants to find the Holy Grail. And he dropped this bombshell, which absolutely anybody other than Nicolas Cage would have called a lifetime's work of pure madness. He dropped this bombshell as casually as one would talk about the weather or suggesting that they need a haircut. And this is the same guy who tells stories about surviving being attacked by twin cobras or how he convinced Johnny Depp to become an actor while they were playing a game of Monopoly. And, you know, that's, that's just Nicolas Cage. So he's hunting for the, uh, for the Holy Grail. And according to this conversation he had with the New York Times, he's been doing so for quite some time. But uh, now, currently at a loss over locating a uh, physical grail, Cage has metaphorically attributed the grail to being life itself, which is both the ultimate cop-out and 100% the perfect Nicolas Cage thing to say. That's exactly what I would imagine Nicolas Cage to say. Oh, I'm searching for the Holy Grail. Oh, did you find it? Well, I, I, I couldn't find a physical uh, coffee mug or, or chalice that uh, I attributed to the cup of Christ, but what I've done since then is just kind of realize that life itself is kind of the holy grail. It's okay, Nick. All right, whatever you say, buddy. All right. Yep, that's it. Mr. Hi Mr. Hello, I'm hiding the key to Pandora's box somewhere on my person cage is currently filming a movie about aliens doing mixed martial arts, as well as, I'm sure, 27 other fucking films, um, all of which he'll lightly link to his acquaintanceship with the Norse god of mischief, but that doesn't mean, because he's very busy, that he's at all given up on his search for the Holy Grail. Not one bit, no. Senor Cage recently purchased a mansion in Rhode Island because, according to Cage himself, his quest for answers led him there, and he's also unquestionably convinced that this will bring him closer to finding the real Grail. Um... I myself am no stranger to, anybody that knows me knows that I myself, I'm no stranger to mentally irregular thoughts and fantasies, and those who know me well know that I even take the ball and run with some of those ideas. But Nicolas Cage grabs the bull by the horns on every single crazy thought 
that enters his cryptic wizard brain and barrels straight ahead like an LSD-fueled running back trying to escape the hallucinations of enormous snakes with human faces. Thousands of sorcerers and ancient mystics could debate and scrutinize his life and career for decades on end and still not arrive at a logical answer for anything that Nicolas Cage has ever done. Even Cage himself admits that he doesn't fully understand why, why he makes, with an in, inescapable certainty, everything he does batshit crazy. But full admittance and full transparency, it has created one of the most baffling yet simultaneously wonderful acting careers of all time. And personally, I hope that when civilization inevitably collapses, the only thing for future generations to determine what life was like before whatever cataclysm destroyed us is a complete complete collection rather of Nicolas Cage's films. I hope that they find like a like an abandoned vault, just you know, possibly on what was one of Nicolas Cage's many, many mansions. And inside that vault is nothing but, you know, his fucking detailed notebooks on his search for the Holy Grail and a collection of all the films he's ever been in. And I hope they watch these films and use them as a basis for rebuilding society and that Nicolas Cage's likeness is engraved onto mountainsides, preferably his cocaine-fueled face from uh, fa from that scene in Face Off where he looked incredibly manic. And so that way uh, his visage can for all time watch us psychotically as I'm positive the real Nicolas Cage himself both wishes he could do and claims that he can. Okay, moving on. All right. Um, so a, a few episodes back on the uh, topic roulette on the wheel, you, what useless superpower would you have and why came up on the wheel? And, uh, you know, that got me thinking about what other useless superpowers there are out there. You know, what's a superpower that you would have that would absolutely serve no purpose in everyday life? Um, you know, or even being a hero. Like, a superpower that you've got that they're, the Justice League or the Avengers are going to be like, you know who we need right now? Who's that, Batman? We need to get uh, the guy that can do this. No. These are the powers that they're going to be like, that's your power. Get out of here. Swear to me! <laughs> Batman. Um, okay. Uh, so these are some useless powers. Uh, the uh, uh, useless superpowers. The ability to see through fecal matter but only fecal matter. So you've got the x-ray vision, but you can only see through poop. How about the power of seeing the future, but only by .000018 seconds? So basically, you're like, oh shit, and it's already happening to you. Um, how about the power to make bumblebees very hungry, like famished? Like, you have the physical ability to at will like, I don't know, maybe you'd raise a hand like the Scarlet Witch, or maybe you'd focus your mind like Charles Xavier, or, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know how you do it, but whatever you do, you, you use your power, and suddenly only bumblebees, not honeybees, not wasps, not other bees, just only bumblebees out in the world, world the world over, like, oh man, we are famished, we are very hungry right now, and that's your, that's your ability. How about the ability to, at will, grow lizard scales just on a two-inch patch of your bum-bum. Hmm? You're just like, uh, and there it is. And you're, there's a two-inch patch of your butt, one of your butt cheeks that now has uh, lizard scales growing on it. Fully grown lizard scales. And then, of course, you could retract them at will, I guess, kind of like Wolverine's adamantium claws. Uh, but, you know, 
that's that's a that's your power. What power? What 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 good would that serve? How could that benefit the good of humanity? Oh man, there's a there's trouble abound. Ultron is attacking. Avengers assemble, and they're like, we've got Iron Man, and I'm Captain America. Here's Thor, Norse god of thunder, and here we have two-inch lizard scale bum girl. Yes, two-inch lizard scale bum girl. Um, how about the power to read any language? I don't know why I attributed that to being a power a woman would have. I'm sorry, that was very sexist, and anybody could have that power. Um, it's, it's equally useless, regardless of your gender. Um, how about the power to read any language? Okay, I know what you're saying. Well, how is that useless? That would be a fucking awesome power. No, there's more. Uh, you can read any language, but because you can read any language, you literally forget how to speak, write, hear, move, and communicate in any way, shape, or form. So yeah, you can read any language, but you're useless to, to give this knowledge to anybody. How about the power to produce a powerful odor from your empty hollow eye sockets? Hmm? Sounds good. I mean, you'd be useless to begin with, because I guess you could stink out a room of villains, but how would you get there? How would you get there? Well, I know, Chad, Daredevil's blind. No, Daredevil's kind of got like a dolphin or a bat, like, radar sense. You know, that's what makes him Daredevil. You've just got hollowed out eye sockets that produce a powerful stench. How about the power to be remarkably tired at your own command? You're walking around, you're having a good day, and you're just like, and time for bed, and you just collapse and you're sleeping. How about the power to dissolve your own bones permanently? Just like, you know, think, you know the way you drop Alka-Seltzer tablets in water and they dissolve? Like that, but you can do it to your own bones. I imagine it would only be done permanently, so you can only do it one time. And then you're just a heap of flesh and organs and muscle and uh, everything just laying there, looking all gross. Kind of like, uh, remember that episode of Family Guy where Peter had three wishes and he's like, I wish I had no bones. And he's like, his bones collapse and he just kind of like falls into like a big, like silly putty pile of, uh, of flesh and organs. Yeah, that. How about the power to understand the ramblings of other useless folk? So... You know, you're out walking around downtown, homeless guy comes up to you, some beggar, he's just like, Hey, okay, can I get that? You gotta, gotta see what's coming out of the sky, they're gonna get my pants. Everybody goes in my pants, it's what happened with me when my feet are all covered in sausage. And you're just like, mm-hmm, yeah, no, yeah, I've been there, that happens. You know, how about that power? How about the power to make a semi-decent breakfast once in a while, if you feel like it and there's nothing else going on? How about the power to speak quietly in a public setting? Yeah, like at the library. You're just like, and now I'm speaking quietly in a public setting. That's my superpower. But it's not just something that you could do like you and I. It's an actual physical power that you have to activate. Be useless. How about the uh, power to turn only the follicles of your hair invisible? So, you know, maybe you've grown, a, uh, maybe you've grown an outrageous beard, but you're running, for the, but you're running uh, away from somebody. And so you turn it invisible and uh, you turn your beard hair follicles invisible. And they're like, oh, wait, that can't be you because you just had a beard. But it's clearly you. So then they get you anyway. How about that? How about the ability to grow Nosferatu fingers at will? Just like those oversized 10-inch long clawed Nosferatu fingers. I mean, yeah, I guess the fingers themselves would serve a purpose, but not the power of growing them. Um, how about the ability to heal 
only minor injuries at a rate that is 0.84% faster than the average person. So basically, if you get a scratch and it takes an average person six days to heal that scratch, you can heal that uh, wound in five days and 22 hours. That's, a, that's your superpower. How about the ability to see like a chameleon, but you lose all of your other senses? So you can now see up, down, left, right, front, back, you know, all at once. But the flip side of that particular coin is that you can no longer smell, hear, feel, taste, or, uh, you know, any, any of the other five senses. I think that was it. That was the five senses. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, how about the ability to give birth to ghost hens? And again, this is not a gender-specific one. You just all of a sudden, you're just like, oh, yeah? And you go into labor pains, and then you give birth to the ghost of a, of a hen, the ghost of a, of a female chicken. Um, how about the ability to turn only your ankle joints into balsa wood? I think that one would be probably the most useless because you're not affecting your pain receptors here, and you're turning your ankle joints, which basically house all of the weight of your body, into balsa wood, the weakest of all woods, the most useless of all woods. You've now turned your ankle joints into, into balsa wood at, at will, as an ability. How about the ability to uh, perfectly adapt into any dead culture? So, you know, you've just, moved, you've just adapted into uh, ancient Roman culture during the times of Christ, but nobody fucking lives that way anymore, so you just seem, seem like a mad person. How about that? How about the ability, the superpower, to remember exactly how many beads of sweat are on Jean-Claude Van Damme's forehead at any given scene in one of his, any one of his films. So you'll be like, oh, you're watching Time Cop. I know this scene. He had exactly 436 beads of sweat on his head at that moment. And people will be like, yeah, that's uh, not important at all to the plot or life for that matter. Nobody, nobody needs to know that. And you're like, yeah, I know. It's, I can just do that. Um, how about the ability to smell poop and know the nationality of the person who pooped that poop? So somebody brings you like a turd and like uh or like a like they've collected like a like a dot like a you know ziploc bag full of human diarrhea and they're like hey we need you to track this person down you're like well i can't do that but they were definitely norwegian or somebody brings you like an old turd and you're like hmm and you run that under your nose you're like this was a spaniard you know i mean you've helped narrow them down their search by like the most minute of ways so those are some useless superpowers that um, I thought of, uh, thought of that think uh, I thought I should share with you, my uh, avid listeners and EOS friends and army. Uh, so there's that. Uh, moving on, moving on. In case you didn't know, in case you didn't already know, the uh, the famous, world famous, as he would claim. Uh, action star, as he again would claim, uh, Steven Seagal loves, he absolutely loves all things, all things Steven Seagal. Steven Seagal loves all things Steven Seagal. The, he thinks the best thing ever is Steven Seagal. If Steven Seagal were as good at fighting or acting 
as he is at being physically incapable of backing up even 1% of the claims he's made in his life, we'd have long ago made him Emperor of Earth and we'd all be wearing black kimonos as he deemed mandatory. He is a guy who claims to be the greatest Aikido master in the history of Aikido masters, yet he has shown on many occasions that he possesses the fighting style of a convulsing marionette trying to brush crumbs off of a second convulsing marionette. And I can't tell you personally by looking at him, but he is also claimed to be Italian. He's then claimed to be Asian. He's also claimed to be German, English, and Dutch. And I want to make clear he hasn't claimed to be all of these things mixed together. Just at various points in time, he's made a claim that he was Italian. Then at another point in time, he said he was Asian. Then another time, he said he was Dutch. So on and so forth. Um, however, like, like I myself did, if you do only the tiniest bit of research during a time where we have literally almost any information you want at our fingertips, you can find out easily that uh, both of his ha parents were Russian, uh, Russian Jews. So, Steven Seagal is the son of Russian Jewish people, not Italian, not Asian, not German, not English, or Dutch. But don't tell Steven Seagal that because he said these things to, before, so they must be true. Um, personally, I, I didn't know that was his ethnicity until I found until I looked it up. I had always thought that he was just a collection of novelty display swords with uh, dragon carved into with dragons carved into the handles that had somehow gained sentience and uh, just decided to will himself upon us. Um, so that, that was always my opinion of what, what his ethnicity was. But um, anyway, moving on. I'm certain that if Seagal were uh, one-tenth of the martial arts magician he claims to be, and he actually killed somebody, he would wait there for the police to arrive at the scene of his murder, at the scene of the murder he committed, and he would expect their praise. He'd be like, I've done this job for you. And they'd be like, you just killed a person. Yes, they were uh, double-parked. And they, were try they threw out a parking ticket. I've handled it. Seagal. And they'd be like, no, you murdered somebody. And, you know, I, you're, you're probably wondering, Chad, I, I know Steven Seagal's made some outrageous claims, but where, where can you back this up? How, what, what, what's, what's your source? Well, I'm going to give you one of my sources. There is an interview that you can watch on YouTube. Just look up uh, Steven Seagal CIA training uh, interview 1988 on YouTube, and you'll watch a video in which Seagal claims to have taught the CIA... All of the uh, techniques that they used at that time in 1988, all of their up-to-date 1988 techniques were, according to St Steven Seagal, taught to the CIA by Steven Seagal. Um, shortly after the interview, his wife at the time, uh, whose name I didn't write down here, and so I apologize for that, but I think it might have been, uh, I think it was Kelly LeBrock. I don't know. Anyway, um, she said that... Uh, he did not teach the CIA anything, and that was a blatant fairy tale. Um, and then also the CIA, who are notorious for not usually commenting on anything outside of CIA matters, if at all, commented saying that they have not had any communication with Mr. Seagal whatsoever and had no intentions of having any communication with Stephen Seagal. So I'm sure that when Seagal speaks... He's either trying to see if the person he's speaking to is um, aware of what to do when an elderly dementia patient strays from his Las Vegas tour group, or 
warning them of his unmatched prowess by telling them how he actually killed the real Tommy Lee Jones in the movie Under Siege, and they've been, Hollywood's been using a Tommy Lee Jones lookalike ever since. Um, here's an actual example of a Steven Seagal story. He was interviewed uh, in the early 90s and asked if he had any special relationship with animals. You know, this is a relatively common and simple interview question that, you know, people would ask just to kind of fill time for something that they don't really have an answer to or more or less questions but they have time to fill or maybe they had a question that they expected a long-winded answer and it didn't go that way so they the interviewer interviewer asked uh Seagal if he had a special relationship with an animals and his reply was pure arrogant madness he said that he once this is the story Mr. Seagal do you have a special relationship with any animals and his reply is that he once owned a martial arts dojo in Japan and one night, while walking home from the dojo, he encountered a wandering dog. He said that, that he pet the dog and gave him a little bit of the sandwich he was eating. And the dog looked him in the eyes, and he felt like he wasn't looking in the eyes of a stranger, but somebody he had known his whole life. And then the dog started to wander off, so he followed it. And uh, it led him back towards his dojo, which had caught fire. Um, so Steven Seagal then summoned help, I can only imagine using Aikido, and uh, they put out the fire. And he says that after that situation was handled, he went to thank the dog, which had vanished. And because of that, he knew that that dog had come to him to lead him to that fire at his dojo, so that way they could save the dojo. And um, so that was the story. So, so let's sum up. Let me sum up here. Steven Seagal was warned of danger by a mystical dog, who apparently just roams Japan and repays the debts of kindness people show him and then vanishes once its job is complete. Um, now, also, keeping in mind that while wildly outlandish and completely made up, that is not the most unbelievable lie Steven Seagal has ever told. That could just simply be an exaggerated story by his fantastic self-obsessed mind. Um, but that's, that's how Steven Seagal answered a very common and simple question. My point here that I'm making, uh, folks, is that Steven Seagal makes up nonsense and then believes his own bullshit. He'll tell you that he and his partner, an owl who was trained by the CIA, constantly defend the mean streets of Harlem from CIA-trained vampire crack fiends and William Sadler. You'll call him out on this bullshit, and he won't be able to back up his claim at all, because he's Steven Seagal. Uh... He'll just, you know, he'll make fun of you or call you a name and then, you know, go off to do some other Steven Seagal thing out there in the world. Um, so that, that's, that's Steven Seagal. That's what he does. Jesus Christ, he's a fucking... Steven Seagal, I, that makes me kind of want to watch uh, Hard to Kill and just watch him, you know, constantly scowling in a, in a, in a manner that makes it look like he's not sure if he has to poop, but he might have to poop. So, um, I might do that later. Uh, let me see here. Um, or you know what, I might watch Hip Show, being that he's Ru his fa family was Russian. I think I'm going to watch Hip Show after I record this. Um, okay, anyway, moving on. I digress. Um, so, has anybody ever realized that the Kool-Aid Man, the, the giant Kool-Aid Man with, you know, these the giant glass jug of Kool-Aid, and he, has anybody ever noticed that he's a nightmare beast? 
or is it just me? And let me let me explain. So you have this Kool-Aid man. He's a giant jug of what appears to be Kool-Aid with a face on it. Made out of what apparently is glass, and he's apparently, um, you know, alive. He's alive. And he's always crashing through buildings and going, oh yeah! You know, like fucking, like he thinks he's the biggest macho man Randy Savage fan who's ever lived. Um, well, recently I saw a commercial where uh, excited kids were at one of those, like, water parks, one of those sprinkler systems set up in the park. And um, the Kool-Aid man was there, and he gets dizzy for some reason. So these kids eagerly rush over to him and go, yay! As he goes, whoa, whoa, yeah! And splashes them with the red liquid that, ke- that he carries inside of himself. Um, you know, and I'm just like, that, that seems off to me. I don't know. I mean, I, I guess to everyone else, it's just like, oh, it's just a Kool-Aid commercial. But, I mean, really think about the fucking details about that. A large... Apparently sentient. Is he sentient? Or does he just bumble about yelling, oh yeah, spilling onto kids and destroying buildings? Like some type of overflowing glass hulk. Um, I don't know, but let's really think about it. You know, what, what, if, what if this nightmare creature enjoys rampaging about and just puts on a happy face as a sinister disguise? And what if, he, what if whenever his cries of, oh yeah are not because somebody is in need of Kool-Aid. What if it's because he's praising himself for, for demolishing a, uh, a public structure? Like, oh, we're at the library using our, uh, our superpower of quiet voices, and uh, suddenly someone's like, oh, man, my drink's empty. I wish I had some Kool-Aid. Kool-Aid man buster, he's like, oh, yeah, and he just destroys the library. He just sets fire to some books, fucking slaps the librarian's ass and leaves. What if that's what he does? What if that, you know, what if that's just... Him. And why does he uh, seek out people to spill on? Why is he always around children and, like, they always seem to get splashed with his red liquid? Well, I realized upon seeing this commercial that uh, it made me sick to my stomach. So I penned a letter to the Kool-Aid man, and I'm going to read you that letter right now. Okay. Dear Kool-Aid man, Stay the fuck away. You are not welcome. Yes, my family and I will continue to ingest your heavenly and enjoyable beverages, but that does not invite you or your ilk to rampage through the walls of my domicile, spilling your red elixir all about. Please keep that slop juice inside your jug-like vessel and move the fuck along. We have no need of your rampant carnage and do not wish to bear witness to the ruin you leave in your wake. Furthermore, your swill, which you haphazardly glop about, must be filled to the very brim with all manner of bacteria, debris, and as a parent, I seriously question if the tidal wave of mystery solution gushing out of you is even fit for consumption, or if you should even be allowed in public at all. Your odd brew is no doubt teeming with sin and bad intentions, free-flowing over any and all in your path. Please, for fuck's sake, accept your shame like the samurai of old and empty yourself out onto the sands of the Sahara. And as your nightmare potion is absorbed by the sand, listen as the vultures, which would normally approach and circle your carcass, fly by. That's right. You will be scorned by the most repugnant of birds, and not even the spoiling corpse you leave behind will be missed. Sincerely, Chadwick J. Suet.
So that is a note that I wrote to the fucking um, Kool-Aid man, warning him to stay away from me and my family. Uh, mainly just because I, like, well, you know, I think the letter covered it. But, uh, you know, so anybody that's heard the Shark Stravaganza episode I did a while back uh, understands that I firmly believe with 100% certainty that the Sci-Fi Channel will make any movie about a shark. I mean, and I'm not just talking about the Sharknado films here. Uh, go listen to the Shark Sharkstravaganza episode and you'll be caught up. You'll understand. They will make any film so long as it's got a shark in it. You could be, it could be anything. You'd be like, oh, a uh, balsa wood shark. They'll be like, we're on that. We got to film that. That That's that's a masterpiece. Somebody call Eric Roberts. He'll be in it. Um, but I guess I recently found out that they, they, maybe they've run out of shark ideas for the moment and they have moved on to other other avenues, uh, this, of course, being uh, Zombies and The Walking Dead. So, there's a movie coming out, a Sci-Fi Channel original movie, called Zombie Tidal Wave. Now, what I want to be clear on is that I just got done telling you that they will make any movie about a shark, but yet, this is not a movie about a shark. Well, hold on. This movie is from the creators, writers, and directors of the Sharknado films. And it's also starring Ian Ziering, who starred in the Sharknado films, further making it similar to Sharknado. And the official plot of Zombie Tidal Wave is that a fisherman, I can only assume who's being played by Ziering, has to contend with an ocean-born outbreak that threatens his seaside community. So basically, uh, a bunch of people at sea uh, die and turn into zombies, fall in the water, and then a tidal wave hits and throws these zombies at his seaside community. That being said, I'm 10,000% certain that sharks, chainsaws, or both will at one point or another show up in this film. And second, I'm 25,000% certain of the belief that Sci-Fi Channel makes all its movies using two random plot generators. They just type in, uh, like, one generator's for, um, you know, like, fictitious uh, threats. You know, is it zombies or maybe uh, what? 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 What would be the what poses the greatest threat on uh, today's date, forty years ago? And it'd be like, oh, sharks or uh, zombies or what was popular or something like that. And so, random generator pops up. Oh, zombies. Then they type into another random generator that just tells you about like a nat like a natural disaster, and it'll be like typhoon. But like, okay, so this is uh, this is a rabid raccoon typhoon. Rabid Raccoon Typhoon, Sci-Fi Channel original, from the creators of Shark, Shark uh, NATO, and starring Ian Ziering as the raccoon. So you know, I, I believe that's how they make all of their films now. And uh, personally, I just hope that uh, professional train wreck and awful, all-around awful human being Tara Reid isn't in this film. I hope she doesn't show up. But I know better. I know better. Seeing as she's most certainly prostituting herself out and giving hand jobs on the street corner for cocaine, she's probably in need of a paycheck, so she'll be in this. She'll show up. Um, but, you know, it might be worth watching. Maybe she'll be eaten by zombies. But I, I really honestly feel that a bacteria-laced zombie plague infection would be an improvement for her. So, but that's that's uh, Zombie Tidal Wave. Look forward to that one coming out on Sci-Fi Channel. Um, okay. There's something I want to talk about here. Something that uh, my my insanity 
as you know, just rolls off the uh, off the tongue. So, um, without further ado, I'm presenting you to an idea, an idea that I had, and I wrote down an idea that I had and wrote down, which I'm calling the peanut butter stash. So, anybody that physically knows me, knows that I, I, I take great pride in, in, in my mustache, curling the ends of it like the uh, fine gentleman I am. Oh, what a fine gentleman, walking around. Well, I don't know, he may be a, uh, he may be a rapist or a con man. No, no, not with a mustache like that, he's a fine gentleman. Oh, I, I, I feel I may lose my baubles to his trade. What a fine gentleman indeed, but no, um, peanut butter mustache. Peanut butter mustache is a thing, and I want to, I want to make it a thing, and here's how it is. So, all you listeners, here's what you got to do. You wait, step one is wait until your significant other has, has gone to bed, has gone to sleep. And you, you absolutely must make certain that they are, in fact, asleep, and not just, like, chilling in bed, or, like, you know, scrolling through uh, Facebook on their phone, or some shit like that. Just make sure they are, in fact, asleep. Once their sleep is verified, you then go into the kitchen and grab a jar of peanut butter. I, I recommend uh, chunky peanut butter for this over smooth. I think the chunky peanut butter brings a more uh, uh, a more air of professionalism and devotion to it. I mean, you, anybody can grab the smooth peanut butter, but if you if you got the peanut butter with the the peanut chunks in it, then you know you're devoted. So use chunky peanut butter and smear a mustache made out of the aforementioned peanut butter onto your upper lip. Or if you already possess a mustache of, uh, of, of great magnitude like myself, just smear the peanut butter onto the mustache. Um, and style it into like a fancy, fancy way, you know. Whether, you know, the peanut butter stash, whether you've got a mustache or not. Make it like fancy and stylish. Um, now, now that you've done that, this is, the, this, is one of the, this is where things get interesting. Now that you've done that, you need to sneak about, like the Grinch stealing Christmas, sneak into the bedroom, and lurk over your significant other's sleeping frame. And using the delicacy and tenderness you'd use to cradle a sleeping infant, disrobe both your significant other and yourself. So, now here you are. Your significant other is laying in bed, they're passed out, they're fucking nude, you're nude, you've got peanut butter mustache styled up on your face, and uh, I'm assuming that you understood at some point you'd probably be naked in this explanation. Uh, shame on you if you thought otherwise. Shame! Shame! Uh, but now that you're naked as jaybirds, which is a dumb saying, actually, uh, you know, verify that your significant other is still asleep, because if they've woken up, you, you, you need to flee. The, the game is over. Flee to the horizon and the sunset beyond said horizon. Um, but if the, you know, to verify they're still asleep. And now that you're sure, now that you're positive that your significant other is still asleep, gently but firmly press your face, peanut butter mustache first, betwixt their butt cheeks, doing as best as you can to smear the peanut butter stash deeply between them cheeks. I mean, really get in there. Don't be shy. Get that stash in between the butt cheeks. So, here you are. Now that your face is buried deeply between the butt cheeks and the peanut butter stash is smeared all over the butt and butthole, begin to eat the peanut butter. 
making sure to make the most obnoxious and loud nom 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 sounds you can while doing this. Like get in there and just nom 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 like that as loud and obnoxious as you can. It is again of crucial importance that you are a pressing your face as firmly as you can betwixt the butt cheeks. B, are eating the smeared peanut butter stash with robust and dynamic passion, all the while making the num-num-num-num-num-num sound. And C, are making the num-num-num-num sound with as much resounding, clamorous excitement as you can. By now, your other half will be awake. And likely, in a frenzy of both fear and rage, do not allow this to distract you from your task. Keep eating that peanut butter stash out of that butt. Do it. Get in there and eat. So, once the peanut butter stash is consumed and your better half has exchanged uh, physical blows with your face over your exciting and provocative new lifestyle choices, you must escape into the night like a thief or charlatan, leaving only your puzzled, uh, your significant other uh, in your wake to contemplate not only what has just occurred, but also the life choices they have made up until this point. That is the uh, peanut butter stash, and I invite all of you, uh, male and female alike, to try this with your significant other, because it, it's, it's, I, I've never done it myself, I just made it up, but, um, you know, I recommend trying it, it's got to become a thing, I want PB stashing, hashtag PB stashing to be a thing, uh, which brings me on to my next topic, um, you know, since we're already talking about shoving a peanut butter mustache in betwixt your, uh, your sig- significant other, uh, butt and uh, eating said stash out of their butt. Um, let's talk a little bit about mo- uh, morning wood. Let's talk about um, the most unsought boner that you can have, the morning wood. You know, and let me, let me start here. A- as an adult man in my 30s, I'm no Johnny come lately to the nuisance of morning wood. Uh, I've, I've awoke with all manner and shape of erectile discomfort and boner alike, and I've had my erect penix Penis, penix, my erect penis, both fixed in unyielding and uncompromising position for hours on end, as well to had semi-chub bordering on uh, pliant and soft. You know, it happens. And why am I talking about my morning wood? Well, simply put, aside from wearing a bathing suit, aside from the I'm wearing a bathing suit boner, or the behind a dude or chick in a very crowded elevator boner, Morningwood is the least sought-after boner in the Bonerverse. Um, sure, occasionally you're lucky enough to get some wake-up nookie, but more often than not, you're left groggy and befuddled with a colossal beef injector glaring up at you from its cycloptic eye. Is there anything more bothersome than the superintendent of awkward erections showing up uh, right after you've awoke? And why would your phallic friend betray you first thing in the morning like this? Is it because of that one time at that pool party when your friend's mom tried to lure you in the garage and you turned her down out of awkward teenage shame? Or could it be because your children are without fail waiting in the bathroom or kitchen to ask, Dad, what's wrong with your wee-wee? Yes, the penis is a fickle bastard at times, ready to take a sinful jaunt at moment's notice and always mere seconds from acting like a double-crossing Judas. All that being said, there are ways to smuggle the morning wood past any awkward encounters, and I'm going to, I've named them, and I'm going to tell you what they are now. And, of course, uh, just with their names alone. There's always the waistband stand and the rollers, uh, the tuck of Buffalo Bill, the rollover stay good dog, the 
Hands in your pockets. The high tower prance. The ambergris shuffle. The Saturday evening post. The West Polish injection. The Southern comfort. Christmas gift and two lumps of coal. The mighty Thor. The Steve Gutenberg backstroke. The butternut squash. Last night's spaghetti. The sperm whale blitz. The wooden handled sunshine hope chest. The amazing 8-bit paint job. The black spot. And finally, the gleeful wizard. Of course, all those are standard and need no explanation. So, moving on. Okay, so, let me see what else we have today. Okay, of course, there's also this contest that I, I want to do. Um, so, on the Facebook page, a little over a week ago, or maybe two weeks ago, I put up that photo, that picture. And uh, I've decided that picture has gotten so many, so much feedback that I'm going to do a little contest about it. And uh, I'd like all of you to partake. You can win an eight, eight and a half inch by 11 inch autographed copy of that photo. And all you got to do is this. Rule number, step number one, take a photo of yourself in the shower. You don't need to be naked as I was, but you know, mimic the photo, but add a mentally irregular twist. You don't need to be, you can be, I don't care. Uh, add, a, add a mentally irregular twist of your own. You know, maybe, uh, maybe you're wearing a gorilla suit. You know, maybe you're, uh, maybe you're covered in body paint. I don't care. I don't, I don't, it doesn't matter to me. You, you, you do it. You take, but it needs to be in the shower. And you need to be in a pose of some kind like I was. Not, not my pose specifically, but a pose. Then, take that photo, making sure, of course, to uh, edit it for uh, Facebook regulations and all that bullshit. And uh, send it to me in a personal uh, message through the Element of Surprise page. I will look at all of them and determine the top three. And the top three people will win a copy, an autographed copy of that picture. Signed by me and given to you. So you have the first piece of EOS memorabilia. And uh, I don't know how I'm going to top that piece either. Uh, maybe a Funko Pop of me in the shower in that position with the logo on it. I don't know. Who knows? But, um, you know, so that's the contest that I wanted to tell you all about and uh, be part of. So, yeah, you can win a co an autographed copy of that photo. And, you know, gigantic, 8.5 by 11 uh, inch size. You can frame it. You can put it up, over, you know, next to your bed at night. So that's the first thing you see when you wake up in the morning. Um... You could put it in the shower with you, so that way you could, uh, you know, remind yourself exactly how to pose in a shower, um, or, 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 you know, what it's like being in a shower with me. Um, you know, various other th things you could do with the picture, whatever you choose, but that is the contest. So, again, get in the shower, take a picture of yourself in the shower, make it mentally irregular. Two, send me the picture in a personal message through the Facebook, through the Element of Surprise Facebook page, I will look at all the pictures, top three pictures, top fun, three funniest pictures or best pictures, get a copy, an autographed copy of the picture. And that's the contest. Okay. Hmm. What else could I possibly need to discuss? No, I think that's it. That's it. So I'm just going to tell you about some upcoming things. Uh, I've invited 
uh, EOS correspondent and my good friend Bill Sines to come back to the Elements of Surprise. Join me as a guest. And we're going to discuss a topic that Bill brought up on his Facebook page that is so perfect. I can't believe, A, I didn't think about it first, and uh, B, um, absolutely needs to be discussed. Much like the peanut butter stash I just went over with you, it needs to be discussed and start trending. It's called bottom sacking, and I'm not going to even tell you what that is now because I'm going to wait for Bill. Um, also, coming up, you know, we're getting closer to Halloween, so as uh, as same as I did last year, I'm inviting any U.S. listeners, any members of the U.S. Army who would like to be part of a roundtable discussion around Halloween. It's, the only catch is that it's a uh, costume party, and you have to wear an inappropriate costume. The inappropriate costume uh, roundtable Halloween gig. Um, of course, I've got the awkward conversation uh event happening soon. If you can see that through the Facebook page, reach uh, out to me. Let me know if you're coming or not. So I know exactly what to, uh, how many to expect. Um, November, again, right around the corner. I always do my man stuff episode. Uh, this t- year's is going to be titled Manly Movember Madness of Macho Men. Um, and then of course, you know, throughout the rest of the year, we'll do more stuff, Christmas, Jeff Goldblum, etc. cetera. Uh, okay. Before I let you guys go, as always, I want you to check out a fireside chat with Ryan McCormick on Libsyn.com. Check out 4AM Knows All My Secrets, hosted by Ryan McCormick and Tiffany Moore, also on Libsyn. Check out McSauce on Podomatic, hosted by uh, Ian, Paul, and Matt. Uh, that's also You can also check them out on YouTube. Uh, then uh, check out Case in Point with uh, Justin Case, and that's on Audioboom and also on YouTube. And I guess... Without further ado, friends, let us cue the fucking bear music. In a little cafe, just the other side of the border. You were sitting there giving me looks that made my mouth water. She be-